Tony. Brother Eric, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing really good. So we got some hot stuff going on. I mean, this is crazy. It is indeed. You have been crazy stuff. Right? You've been paying attention to the Russian Ukraine thing. I got on a I got on a chat the other night and I was talking to other people and we were talking about logistical support for Canada. And what they said to me was, oh, um, it's not going to be the same here in the U.S. <clears throat> and I said, okay, so how so different? And they said, because these drivers on the U.S. soil, they've got all their provisions within their trucks. And I thought to myself, okay, that's great. But look at what they're doing to the drivers in Canada. Eric, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it her, was her. just, it, it, it was bizarre that people could not understand that we need to have logistical logistics. If there's such a term, I just think I just coined that where yeah. people have support outside of their means and ways. And what we're going to talk about tonight with you and I is what is the best way to do that? And I think you've come up with the most amazing and most phenomenal way of doing that. So without further ado, Eric, our crypto expert, you are the best guy. You are seriously, every, everything that we've been going through and all the listeners just going, man, that guy's on his game. You are the expert. So what do uh, you suggest at this time? Yeah, now, that, now that's starting to feel weighty. Um, <laughs> so get over, um, get over it. I just, I do, I just want to say that, you know, since we're going to talk about it a little bit in the context of what's happening in Canada, I think everyone has the right to express themselves, to, to peacefully assemble. Um, I think it's, it's really tragic and tragic is not even the right word. It's, 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 I don't understand how it's legal in, in our context in, in even under Canadian law to, do some of the things that's that's happening to those people who are who are protesting or or assembling to to express express themselves so um i know that's deeply political and in 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 dividing but um going after financial you know taking someone's financial means away or or you know meat you know meat off of the table for them um and money from them i think is uh, that really gets me uh going so um, I don't think you have the right to mess with anyone's money, um, you know, whether it's civil forfeiture or or whatever, without due process. And I, I think it's just as simple as that, whether it's, it's it, you know, Black Lives Matter groups or whoever they are. I don't think that's right to 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 do to do that. So um, it's an overreach and, you know, it's authoritarianism for sure to 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 do those things and just by edict. Uh, take someone's, you know, financial um, well-being and and uh, taking it away. I mean, that was one of the key reasons that we that we went to war with the British um, was was civil forfeiture and and taxation without representation. So yeah, we should be we should be noticing this that it's happening. And and what I want to try to do is just give folks who listen a tool. Um, and that's all that crypto can really do in this context for you is to be a tool uh, or a resource for you. Um, and, and you, you, you definitely need many 
but it's, it's one thing that would just kind of get into. So um, we, on other shows, we've talked about how cryptocurrency can, can be used uh, as a, you know, a contrary or against fiat currency. And um, it can use, be used to, to move electronic transactions, to pay for things. Um, and so what I just want to kind of outline is, is, a, is a fairly quick or easy method to be able to do this. And I, th I think if you, you know, I've, I've, I've done some research to try to understand what Canada has done um, to, the, to the protesters, to, you know, to the truckers there. And really what they did in most cases, they kind of took the... Um, it kind of took the easy, lazy way of owning cryptocurrency. And so that, that way, if we could talk about that for a minute, is just basically buying cryptocurrency. I'll take the simplest example. If you have a PayPal account, you can buy cryptocurrency in that account. If you do that, you don't own that cryptocurrency. You don't own the keys to that cryptocurrency, and you definitely don't have possession of that cryptocurrency. You're reliant on a third party, in that case, PayPal, to give you the valuation of whatever cryptocurrency you buy. It's very similar to Robinhood. Robinhood does the same thing. So you can buy off Robinhood and there's a number of other platforms that you can buy cryptocurrency with to try to you know, hold it in your account as an asset or something. That's not what we're gonna talk about tonight, Tony. We're gonna talk about something different which cuts to the real core belief of what um, a lot of people call them Bitcoin, you know, call themselves Bitcoin maximalists or Bitcoin purists. It's it's what you do to really own and possess cryptocurrency where no one can take it away from you. The government can't take it away from you. No one unless they can break the encryption process, which is mathematically impossible. As far as we know, you can't take someone's uh, Bitcoin or most other um, cryptocurrencies away from you if you keep it, if you store it the way we're going to talk about it tonight. Okay. May, may I interrupt you just for a moment? Yeah, please. Because I'm just telling you right now, there are people that are just right now going, is this legal? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it's, it's, it's legal in the context of how cryptocurrency is. It, it, that is the, the original white paper that, that Bitcoin was crafted off of. And what, what's happened, though, is we, we've, we've, kind of, we've kind of perverted what cryptocurrency is today. Um, and what I mean by that is if you look at the, the original tenant or the concept and the model of Bitcoin was you as a user would download a wallet or utilize a wallet. Let's say you utilize a wallet that's, that's, that's been created, a Bitcoin wallet. You would generate a wallet address on the blockchain, and then you would use that wallet to send or receive Bitcoin as you, as you operated within that. That's all basic uh, Bitcoin 101. And almost every other cryptocurrency follows that same type of tenant with some, with some modifications. So it's all legal. It's okay. It's above board. It's not. But what we've fallen into the trap of is it takes a couple extra steps and that's harder for some people to do. And there are a couple of downsides to doing this, and we'll, I'll try to I'll try to outline those. But yes, from a legal standpoint, it's perfectly legal. Um, but it it does it does sidestep one of the things uh, which has to do with an exchange. Because if you interface with an exchange, like if you have a PayPal account or you have a Coinbase account or any other crypto exchange, they are gonna want to do KYC on you. Remember, know your customer. And that means you're going to need a government-issued ID. You're going to need picture ID. 
and they want to know exactly who you are and what you're doing. Those are all custodial systems that are in this context, a risk, because those are the systems that, in, that if you look at what Canada did, they shut those systems down and those users, they, they, they go in with a court order or however they're, they're ordering that. And they're, they're ordering those accounts be seized or locked. And then, and then your access to those accounts effectively ends. You're, you're locked out of those accounts. <clears throat> yeah. So what you need to do to, to prevent that from happening is take ownership of your keys or your, you, you, you don't have a custodial wallet in, in those cases. So there's a couple ways to do it. Um, and I, I just want to try to focus on what I think is the easiest for most people to do. Um, you, there are, there are separate hardware wallets you can buy. Um, you can go out and Google a list of those hardware Bitcoin wallet. I don't, I don't think that's necessarily the right thing for everyone because that requires you to have a device. It's a, it's basically like, it looks like a USB stick and those things can store your cryptocurrencies. Um, they do work it for a number of folks, but I, I think the easiest thing to do really is because almost everyone has a phone. And a mobile device and a mobile wallet, I think, is the easiest solution for, for folks. And so my own recommendation, I did, I did some work over the weekend after this because I got you and I had talked and I got, you know, I, I got, I realized it's not as easy as you just say at first glance. And I also wanted to, to use some of these wallets myself. And so what I landed on from an Android standpoint and an iOS standpoint is an, a wallet called Exodus. And Exodus is a really nice interface. And again, if you want to use another wallet, mobile wallet, you can. But Exodus has, has pretty good, um, it looks like it's well-backed, it's well-supported, it's been around for a long time. And it gives you, you know, on your phone, it absolutely gives you full encryption. And whatever you put in that wallet is going to be safe when you lock it. So if you were to go to the, um, to the Apple Store, you go to, to, the, to Google Play, Exodus wallets there. You can download it. You can install it, and that would be effectively your start. That's that's where you're gonna you're gonna house some funds. And I want to just give a little bit of a caveat. I don't think you should put a million dollars into this wallet <laughs> in in whatever cryptocurrency you end up putting in there. And we'll get to that. I think this is a good tool for you to be able to move funds between whoever you need to move funds between. You can send these. Obviously, if you're if you're sending, if you want to send funds to someone, you can use that wallet to send it. If you need to receive funds, you can receive funds through that wallet. No one can stop those transactions um, from happening. So a government can't come in without, you know, there would have to be some pretty radical stuff going on to stop those transactions from happening. They would be much, much harder. I'll, I'll say it like this. And there's no, there, just like there's no such thing as a perf, you know, there's no, there's no impenetrable castle. There's no, you know, impenetrable defense ever when it comes to cybersecurity or compute. There's, there's only layers of defense. This gives you a layer of defense that's a little bit deeper. All right. So let's just talk for a moment because we, uh, we did a conference call earlier in the week and we had somebody come on. He was a financial planner and he had some pretty interesting questions. You want to address that? Yeah. Um, the question that came out of that call was about the stability and volatility of Bitcoin. And the concern is if you hold if you hold any amount of Bitcoin or or um, or, an, or another secondary, uh, you know, altcoin, 
Ethereum, um, Dogecoin, that you're exposing yourself to a tremendous amount of volatility. And he's not wrong. He's a, he's he's pretty intelligent financial advisor, and, and it's you can see it. You can see Bitcoin's volatility. And right now, if you if you recall our last talk, Tony, I was talking about um, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies being under pressure. This could be a you know this is definitely a, a a challenging time. And as we as we look tonight, where you know things are flashing red from Ukraine, oil's up, uh, gold's up. Stock futures are down hard and cryptocurrencies are down hard again. And that that kind of follows that same thing that I was talking about a week or two ago when we talked, which is tech stocks and cryptocurrencies right now are tethered together. And as as we see assets flee risky investments, a lot of people who don't have conviction in cryptocurrencies are going to flee it. And what I mean by that is these are these are folks who don't see it as a true uh, contrarian system to fiat currency or an al- or, you know an alternative method of of transacting and maintaining value. So to answer that question that that uh, that he had asked on that call, um, I you know I, I my advice to someone like that is if you if you don't want to be exposed to the volatility of Bitcoin, and right now at least in the short term I don't blame anyone because I think there's a potential for a lot more volatility, even though Bitcoin is hanging around 37,000 before we got on this call, it's, it's, it's down. I mean, that's down 40% or so from its highs, pretty, pretty deep correction right now. Um, but if you don't want to be exposed to that, you can look at things like stable coins like USDC and that's the, the name of it. It's, it's handled, it's produced. So it's kind of a, it's a, uh, it's a cryptocurrency that operates much like Tether. It's called a stable coin. It's backed by US dollars for better or for worse. And it doesn't have that volatility. So if you were to buy USDT and it's one for one, it costs a dollar and it's, it's pegged to that dollar and move it into this wallet that I'm describing like Exodus wallet, which is what I did. Um, you you have those dollars and they can't be devalued anymore or they're not going to experience any volatility any more than the US dollar will. So that to me is if you wanted to take the most conservative approach and use something like a digital wallet like Exodus, put some USDC in there, which is a, it's an equivalent, it's a stable coin that's available on pretty much any exchange. It's available on Coinbase, for example. Um, and that, that gives you that digital wallet function where you can send money and receive money and have a digital wallet as a backup. And that's really what I'm suggesting is a, t- is a tool. It's not something that I would put, you know, don't move everything into this wallet. Don't do anything extreme. This is a tool to give you some ability to transact financially outside of the cash world. Or if you don't have another way to move bank, let's say if you've got a bank account that's locked up or not available for whatever reason, as long as you have access to your to a mobile device, you're going to be able to, to move that money around and transact it potentially with a, with another person. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah, it does. So, as we are moving more and more into this new marketplace, you're you're pretty much recommending that we move out of like the norm of where we've been investing and kind of go with these other platforms. Is that correct? I don't know. I don't know if I'd say to to move off of other platforms like traditional investments, like stocks and bonds. Um, I mean, right now, 
if you right now is a really challenging time because we've got such we've got such high inflation and we've really never been you know we've never been in this um in in this on, we've never been on this map before where we've had such high inflation and such high levered up debt and now as we go into kind of the eve of this escalation with 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 Russia and the Ukrainian crisis um, hopefully things don't get worse from here geopolitically, but the Fed's really backed in a corner right now. And you, if you're looking at stock performance, the Nasdaq's down about 15% um, from the beginning of the year um, to a certain extent. If you look at its highs from November, I think in November we peaked in in the Nasdaq and the tech indices. Um, you're you're probably closer. You could be down even about 20%. I think close to that. Right. 15, 20%. So people have already taken a pretty deep haircut and depending on where your money's at, it's, you know, we're already seeing that downward pressure. The fed hasn't even begun raising rates yet. The fed at this point is still talking about raising rates next month. So it's, it's a really, no, no, they're, tough they're planning time. on, go, they're planning on doing five raises. I mean, it's insane. If you, if you go back to the original intent and what the fed wants to do, they want to do five different interest rates within this next year yeah bank of america says seven and um so the bets the bets are spread between five and seven 25 right. basis point i'm just taking hikes. a conservative approach yeah so if you say five that that gets us up 1.25 percent if they do 25 basis points and and that gets a fed's fund rate closer to about one and a half percent um i actually don't think that that's going to move the needle at all. So yeah. if you go back to where we were last year, the Fed and this administration told us that inflation was transitory and it's going to be over before you know it. And sure enough, they're wrong. So the Fed has been pretty consistently wrong. And the only thing the Fed's been able to do to fix them being out of position is to throw more money at it. Well, right. now, they can, now they can't because effectively they've been ordered to get inflation under control and stop, you know, throwing more piles of money on top of this problem. And we're seeing those excesses with the fed balance sheet at about 10 trillion money supply increased by about 30 to 40% in the last two years alone. I mean, these are excesses that just blow world war II spending out of water percentage wise. So we're, we're completely off the map. And so what I would say to anyone, I guess I'll come back and answer your question about assets. If you have assets like stocks and bonds right now, just be very, very careful with them and just realize that there is a cliff of, of uh, potential drop in those assets that's very significant. And I don't want to make a prediction that the market's going to crash um, because I also live by, I've I've, li I've lived through the the adage of don't fight the Fed. The Fed can come and change the rules of the game at any time, and just decide they're going to throw trillions more on the table, and buoy the market. But if they do, just you get to realize if they do that, if they decide to save the stock market, they will be sacrificing other things inflationary, um, so, which puts, yeah, go ahead. So so here here's here's a lot of a lot of jargon that's just coming off, just like off this whole thing. And that is, people are saying that the Fed is pretty much depowered, that the IRS is not really enforceable, they don't have personnel, and there's some other entity coming in 
kind of like dissimilating all of that. Do you have any thoughts on that? I haven't heard about that, but I do. Okay. I mean, I do. I do know the IRS has been. They don't have a, enough manpower. I know they've they've been struggling. It should be no surprise given our tax code, which is you know beyond crazy complicated. Um, so, but I don't. I don't. I don't know, Tony. That's that's. Um, I mean, as far as another entity taking over that, I. I mean, I think the bigger the bigger risk for us, honestly, is going to be continued rising prices and the pressure that that puts on a lot of companies. And so right. you, you got to know that a company like Amazon, who, you know, I use, um, and I'm sure a lot of people use because it's so damn convenient. You, you, um, a company like Amazon, though, is under tremendous cost pressure right now. Um, they almost, they almost single-handedly took the stock market out a week ago when they reported earnings, but just, by fate, <laughs> they had they had invested in Rivian, which is an up 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 and coming uh, electric electric vehicle manufacturer, and they realized about ten billion dollars in profit in their in their earnings report. So if you look closely at Amazon's last earnings report, you can see that their earnings were actually pretty bad, but they they managed to to make money on Rivian, which they included in this year's in in, in the uh, quarterlies they released which kind of like it kind of saved Amazon's earnings in the short run. But in the long run, can I just address one quick thing on that? Sure. You know, Elon Musk with Tesla and this other company, Rivian, I mean, Jeff Bezos cannot stand Elon Musk. You're aware of this, right? (laughs) Well, it looks like they've got at least a friendly feud going on to say the least. Yeah. Okay. So Jeff Bezos, instead of sending penis rockets with himself and others into the atmosphere, um, he decided he was going to go and attack Tesla. You see this, yes? Uh, How did he, I I don't know if I've seen that. What did he do to Tesla? Well, who's this new company who he's climbed into bed with? Oh, with Rivian. Are you countering that? Yeah. Well, and the, I mean, Rivian too. If you if you you can't even really compare Rivian to Tesla. No, you cannot. Which is, you cannot. But which is it is a it is a opening it is a opening chapter. Yeah. It, it it is it is where he's putting funds, and if we're going to look at what's happening with Bezos, and he's tried so many different avenues trying to divert funds from his company. Yeah. Why Why would he be doing that? That's just the big question. No, I mean, yeah. you don't have I mean, to answer that. I'm not I, asking I think, you. Yeah, I mean, and if you, I guess if you compare Rivian to Tesla, it's a bit like comparing Blue Origin to, uh, to SpaceX. Right. You know, SpaceX is launching NASA, you know, NASA astronauts to the ISS, and Blue right. Origin is, right. you know, they're, they're, they're launching. Peter so Ryan. yeah, <laughs> it's and what's what's crazy about that if you look at, you know, uh, if you listen to to Bezos talk, he he even says there's a, you know, he he famously said after that. You know, you all paid for this. Um, so more recently, you, you know, his his yacht is requiring them to take the bridge down in the Netherlands so they can sail it out. So the excesses here of the of these billionaires battling is 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 pretty unfathomable. Well, that's my um, point. That's it, my it, point. It is, yeah, and it's and a so that contest. It really is, yeah. So and um, I, I just wanted some uh, acknowledgement on that because a lot of people are going like. <laughs> Yeah, regardless of how big it is, it's like he's trying to do something to trip that guy. Anyway, 
Can yeah. we just jump back on the truckers thing for just a moment? Sure. So one of the biggest things that happened with an earlier like joint conversation with like I was on this chat and they asked me to come on and they wanted me to be the like one of the lead speakers. And I'm just going, okay, so do you really have any idea how you're going to have logistical support for the Canadian drivers? And when this comes to U.S. oil, how would we be able to support them? It became this major confrontation because they're all going like, well, you know, these are drivers. They know how to take care of themselves. They're going to have the payloads. They're going to make sure they have all the necessary supplies within their trucks. And I'm thinking, okay, so if those rigs get confiscated or they get diverted and you're, everything is contingent upon everything within this line of like help, these truckers going, where's your secondary command? Where is your offset? Where is your plan B or plan C? And you've come up with something, and this is where I said, I said, you need to think about something outside the box of what you're thinking about in terms of if the truckers are going to bring in everything that's localized in terms of provisions and so on and so forth, what if they get confiscated? Like what's been happening in Canada, fuel, right. like wood, food, and everything else. It's like, what, what is your secondary line of defense or support? logistically and they're like it was a bad conversation that got worse because i actually pinned them i pinned them up against the wall so what you have here is you have a solution to that problem i know i digress a little bit but yeah yeah no no if i can if i can join you on that you know that you you've you've always been such a vocal advocate of people being prepared and preaching you know preparedness to to folks which is i think uh it's a really great thing to do because the more people are prepared, the, the, the less they're going to suffer in case if, if something b- bad does happen. So I think that is a real noble gesture and, and thing that you do. But if you, if you look at the trucker situation, what you're describing through that lens of preparedness, they're probably approaching it like most people do, which is they've got, you know, they've got some food, they've got some water, they've got some, and in general, they think that they're prepared. And maybe they are for a few days, but if you get into a situation like they did in Ottawa, um, now it's a few weeks. When a few days becomes a few weeks or longer, right, right, right. the preparation for that is so much deeper and so much more complicated. Right. Um, you have to really have a, a logistics uh, line to support that. And I think that's probably what where that mentality is coming from is that most people, and especially if they're, you know, I would assume most people that would participate in that are going to be pretty, uh, pretty motivated individuals and they think they're going to be okay. And in many ways they, they, they will do well, but when, when that few days becomes a few weeks and they really get dug in there, that's when it gets really difficult to supply that. Exactly. So how do you feel would be the best way to offset that? So what we can talk about tonight, at least from the cryptocurrency standpoint, I think is really just having a tool where you've got, you know, think of this as an emergency fund. I hope most people keep cash on hand. Um, as much as I hate the devaluing dollar, having cash on hand is good to have. Um, you don't, you do not want to get reliant upon only credit cards and plastic, right? So um, having cash on hand is good to have. I think that's a good, that's a good thing to have. So I'm really looking at this like. In addition to that, have keep a digital wallet on your phone. Keep some money in there, whether it's a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars. 
you know, if you have some cryptocurrency on an exchange, let's say you've got $500 on, a, on, a, on Coinbase, consider moving that $500 off of Coinbase and onto a digital wallet. Then you're taking custody of those coins and that cryptocurrency. Coinbase cannot take them away from you. They can't, they can't block you from that. So that's really what I'm talking about. If, you're, if, you've, if you've been investing in cryptocurrency and you're, you're holding for long term, then it might be right for you to keep you know, most of that, whatever that value is on, on an exchange. Because the, the thing that, so, so again, I'll come back to what I said. Exodus is what I think the easiest for anyone to get into. If they download the Exodus wallet, there's no KYC, enter your name, none of that. It is a, it is a um, wallet that's going to sit on your, on your phone. And there's a couple of things that you need to do to, to kind of enable it. So maybe we can run through that. I'll try to just explain it briefly. And then well, maybe let me ask people... you this. Yep. Like for someone like me who's on Coinbase and I have a certain amount of whatever investments, what is the, how difficult would it be for me to transition those investments to that wallet or to that? Not, system? not hard, not hard at all. And that's what I'm going to tell you how to do. So step one, download Exodus wallet. Once you get that downloaded on your phone, you're, you need to make a decision about what cryptocurrency you want to keep on that Exodus wallet. For me, I decided to keep USDC, which is a stable coin. You could very well put Bitcoin, um, Dogecoin, Exodus wallet supports, I, I can't remember how many it supports, several hundred, probably most cryptocurrencies that folks are going to uh, purchase are storable on that Exodus wallet. So let's let's take a simple analogy because I know you have some. I think you have some Bitcoin, Tony. So let's say you you want to move what what your balance is, uh, as long as it's not you know millions of dollars in Bitcoin that you've made. Um, you're going to move a, a portion or some of that Bitcoin over to your Exodus wallet. So this is the process. So once you have that wallet on your phone, before you before you move the money, I I, I want to talk about one thing that that is a little bit harder with you owning your private keys. So there's one thing that we need to delve into with that. And you have to be able to back up that wallet because if you lose that phone, you don't, I don't want you, to, I don't, nobody wants to lose that cryptocurrency, right? So let's assume the phone's destroyed and you can't ever get back to um, that Exodus wallet for whatever reason. Your money is still fine. Your, your, your cryptocurrency is still fine. It's not going anywhere. It lives in the blockchain. It doesn't live on your phone. It lives blockchain that you're associated with but there's one thing that you need to to understand with this is you need in order to keep your keys you have to be able to store um, your private key and the way most of these wallets work is they use 15 word uh, mnemonic uh, keys so what here's what's going to happen when you download exodus or almost any other uh, wallet it's going to say, uh, it's going to likely ask you to back it up or do you want to back it up? And you should already do that before you send any money there. That's my recommendation. Get your backup in place before you send a single uh, Bitcoin Satoshi over to your wallet. So here's, here's the process. The wallet is going to give you 15 random words and it's going to display those words to you and tell you to make note of them. So you need to write those words down. If you lost your phone or the wallet got corrupted or something happened that had, cause it's storing your private keys to those wallets encrypted on your phone. The only way to restore that wallet is to have those, those words effectively. 
Okay. And so you need to, you do need to make note of those and you need to store them somewhere secure or have a really good memory. <laughs> that's the only, that's the, really the only weakness of this system. If someone gets those 15 words from you, they're going to be able to replicate your wallet and they're going to be able to do whatever they want with your wallet. So those, those are your keys. Those are the keys to the castle. And this is again, why when we talked, I, I kind of said that there's, people are a little bit lazy. They don't want to mess with these keys. This is the process that gets a little bit more involved to make sure. And this is what the Canadian truckers, I think, didn't do. They didn't have custody of their cryptocurrency. So the government went to the central exchanges and said, You're, these guys are out, shut them down. And they shut them down. So if, oh. you have those, if you have those keys and you protect those keys, and I guess we can get into you know, how, what's the best way to protect a key. Obviously, you don't want to lose it. You don't want it to be destroyed in a fire. Um, you don't want someone to find it. So you have to, you, now you got to think a little bit about how you secure that. Um, and there's different ways to do it. You can, you know, you can kind of code it if you want it so that someone could see it and not recognize what your code is to, to decipher it. You could write it down just free text and secure it somewhere where you think no one should be able to get to it. Um, there's a number of ways, but it really, this gets into kind of stashing and protecting you know, the same, I guess this is the same kind of thought you need to put into securing your gold or something. If you had gold somewhere, where do you want to store it and keep it so that nobody can get to it? Um, you can parse it out. You can put five words on, you know, write five words on one card and five words on another card and five words on another card and split all three of them up somewhere. This is going to depend on how much you have in that wallet. If you have a hundred dollars in it, you're probably not going to worry too much about it. But just be aware, there is a 15-word code phrase, and that code phrase is really, really critical to the security of your digital wallet because now you own the keys. On your Coinbase account, Tony, that you, that you have, um, they take care of those keys for you. They just secure your, they secure your account, usually with two-factor authentication through your phone number and through a password, you know, a, a real tight password that they manage. And they basically don't let you transact anything in or out unless you whitelist the address. So they give you kind of layered security and protection. This wallet, you have to do all that yourself. And that's the responsibility of taking custody of, of your keys and your digital wallet. Okay. Did I, did I, did, did I move too fast or is that, is that make no, sense? No, no. I, I, I've heard this before. Um, I, I understand this concept. I think a lot of people might um, just like go back over what we just talked about and just play it, play it slip play, frame yeah. by frame, so to speak. And understand that like, if this is where you want to go, this is what you need to do. So it's you going do. to require some due diligence and it some does. going back over. Yes. Yes. And there are a ton of videos for people helping you understand these wallets in general. So this isn't the only source, but it, it, at the end of the day, it's not that hard to do. If you think of it, if you think in a simple scenario, um, download the Exodus wallet, write your 15 word backup phrase, put it somewhere safe. And then the next thing you're going to do is go to Coinbase or your exchange, whatever you're using for your exchange, and you're going to send money to your Exodus wallet. So there's two things that you need to do. You need to make sure that you get the address of your Exodus wallet. And when you open your wallet, there's going to be a, a, a key there and that address looks, it's, it's an alphanumeric. I don't know how many, it, it, the character length is going to vary from coin to coin. So Bitcoin's a little different in how many characters it is. It's a long character um, string. You're not going to want to type it out. 
people who want to copy and paste it. Um, another convenient thing is some of these apps use QR codes, so you can just scan that QR code. So, and, so what and why would anyone want to go to this trouble? So the reason you're going to do this is to prevent any centralized exchange from seizing or stopping um, or, or for that matter, even being hacked. You could you've, you've we've seen, you know, there have been cases where cryptocurrency exchanges have been hacked and looted of all the money. Um, and so, again, if they if you let if you put you keep your cryptocurrency with an exchange, you run the risk by giving them custody of it. It's, it's very, so think of it a little bit like if you bought gold, but you never took ownership of it, you just left it at a company to take care of for you. That is a custodial gold account. And to a certain extent, some people invest in gold, they'll buy like GLD or other ETFs that have gold derivatives tied to them. And they buy gold and they say, yeah, I'm fine. If Russia invades Ukraine and the stock market crashes, I'm going to be fine because I own GLD. And they may be right. They could very well be right. But if for some reason that triggers a geopolitical event that creates a lot of financial crisis, and let's say the real value of gold, where it's sitting around $1,900, let's say it escalates to something you know, exponentially reacting to geopolitical fears <clears throat> like $10,000, right. which you know, people have said, that paper gold that you have a note to claim on is likely not going to be fulfilled because there's too many people they're 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 selling they're selling the paper gold at 100 to 1 they don't really possess it they don't take ownership of that gold and that's that's kind of akin to what we're talking about here with cryptocurrencies if you don't own it like that cryptocurrency that you hold in coinbase you don't really possess it and you don't have the ability to to influence it and you honestly don't have the ability to protect it either because if something right. happens so Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. So because, because this is pretty overwhelming information, and no offense, but there may be some millennials out here. No offense, millennials, but I'm just saying, <laughs> you guys are good for like a short period of like whatever. It's just like, it's not your fault. But I'm just saying, how do we as people draw back and just like simplify what this is really all about, because you've given a plethora of information, but there are people right now that are just going, hey, like I did earlier. Yeah. How, how do we get them to understand? I mean, you can go back over it note by note. Do you, do you have like a way of like sending documentation on this process? Because this is kind of like a line by line type of like situation. Yeah. I don't. I mean, we could, we, I hope that this podcast can, you know, outline this. It, it, it's, it's not as hard as I'm kind of, as, as we're getting into the minutia of it. It's really, I mean, you could do, you could set this up in, in five minutes. It's, it's that easy. If you download, if you download a wallet like Exodus, you back up your phrase. So you make a, you make a, you know, a hard copy backup of that 15 word um, phrase Sure. So you're protected. And then all you do is you, you find out, uh, you know, you're looking at the address of your wallet on Exodus. You're copying that into, in, in, in let's say your case, into Coinbase, and you're sending $100 of Bitcoin to that wallet. And, and we are doing this for the purpose of? So the goal would be to have that wallet where you possess the keys. You'd have a digital wallet on your phone. And if you wanted to send that money, 
or spend that money, again, remembering that whoever you spend it with has got to accept it. Um, but that would be, that would be your ability to keep that digital wallet safe from any kind of, not just hacking or, you know, of an exchange or something, but right. also anyone seizing it. No one's going to be able to seize that like they would a bank account if your bank account gets frozen. So, so many, many podcasts ago, you brought up a very interesting scenario. You go, what if you had a friend that was like in Taiwan or wherever, I forget what you said, West Indies. And he just, he, he lost everything. For him to go get travelers checks and all this other stuff, you know, like back in order, it would take him some time. But yet with this system, he would be able to be up and running in no time at all. That's correct. And the, the only the only caveat I want to lay out there is just right now we, we do need to be aware of transaction fees. And so if you're sending money, so the the goal of cryptocurrencies, in my mind, at least, is for them to be um as fungible as possible and that means basically you know transportable of value and and you could transfer i could send you ten dollars and you could send me ten dollars back and it would be it we wouldn't break a sweat unfortunately right now the transaction costs on the major cryptocurrencies bitcoin ethereum and others isn't zero um so right now if you look uh ethereum's running around 25 dollars a transaction Bitcoin, I think, is a little less than that. I think it might be ten or fifteen. I have to, I have to, I have to check. These these transaction fees fluctuate with the crypto market, and now that we're we're going down a bit, you're going to see the the costs of doing a transaction will go down. So you do need to be aware that if you send a hundred dollars in Bitcoin to your wallet address, there is going to be a transaction fee associated with that. So in my case, when I when I set up my Exodus wallet, I used USDC. I moved $100. It cost me 80 cents to send it. It's not free, but it's less than 1%. Um, and so that fee for different cryptocurrencies is a little different. That does complicate it. But again, if you, if you already own Bitcoin, you're comfortable with Bitcoin, that might be the right thing for you to transfer. But just keep an eye on transaction fees. And your, bro your exchange, when you, when you initiate the send, will tell you that it'll t it'll tell you how much it's going to cost to send and just pay attention to that because these exchanges make money off of those transaction fees often a lot of times they encourage you to transact with other people on their exchange on their platform like coinbase and they right. effectively make it free because it doesn't cost them to you know it's not if they if i if we were both on coinbase i could send money to you in theory um, without, without a transaction fee or like on crypto.com on the, on the CRO platform. But, um, when we're going off, um, and using our own private wallet, like Exodus, there's yeah. always going to be a transaction fee. It should be low, but sometimes it's not. And that's, that tends to be a function of the cryptocurrency. So just be aware of that. But again, I wanted to give you as simple as I can. The, <laughs> the Exodus mobile wallet is easy to use. If you back up your keys, you're, it's safe. Just keep the keys safe. Um, and then all you need to do is send money to basically uh, fund it. And then you've got those funds available on that wallet digitally. So well, that's, I think that's, that's, that's perfect. That's, that's really good. So, and this, this I want to address with, um, with some of these people that are struggling to get money to like some of these convoys, some of these truckers. Did I lose you? 
I'm here. I'm sorry, Tony. Go ahead. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's one of the things that I really want to uh, be an advocate of is these truckers. Like, how do, how could we best give them cash, give them provisions, give them like logistics, logistical support, what have you? And so you come up with a good thing. So do you do you have anything else that you'd like to add to this? No, I think I think that's enough. As you said, that's it. it it's it's not it's not overbearingly complicated, but it does it does take some more work to take to take ownership to take you know possession or custody of your cryptocurrency. I don't think you want to do it as an all or nothing scenario. I just think this this will give you a, a tool to at least have a digital wallet. And like in the case of of the truckers or anybody that's assembling lawfully, um, and, and that's a you know it's a huge effort to 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 assemble. It disrupts everyone's lives even to do it, and then to think that someone would come in, take your take you know affect those those supplies or logistic or even take money from your account or freeze your account to me is uh, I don't think we're living in a democracy at that point. Um, we're living in we're living in something other than democracy. So so tools like these crypto tools like this Exodus wallet and others, they, they give you, they're, they're just that they're a tool. They're not foolproof. Um, they're just something that I think people should be aware of and understand how they work. There's a ton of safety and security built around them, but nothing is riskless. So, you know, don't, and, and, and at the end of the day, I mean, the government being the government can do some pretty extreme things. Um, you know, for example, like I suggested, USDC is a stable coin. If, if the government goes in and raids Circle, which is partially owned by Coinbase, and they shut down their stablecoin operation, um, you know, we're going to we're going to have, you know, we're going to have an issue. We're going to I, I don't know. You know, I don't know the full ramifications of something like that. So nothing is uh, nothing is foolproof, but it does give you a tool. And I think if if the if 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 our um, our brethren in Canada were using things like this to move some of their logistical funds around. I think some of them would have money where they might not have been able to get, you know, if they went in, if they were relying on a, on a visa card or a MasterCard or something to get gas or food um, and that was locked out. I mean, obviously you're, it's kind of game over for you. If you lose those logistics, you, you're, you're going home at that point, unless, unless someone's giving you money and funding you. And if those funds are blocked, as I understood that they were, you're, you know, you're kind of stuck in 20 below zero weather. Um, so, uh, my, my heart goes out to those who are, you know, struggling like that. And, um, it's, it's really unfortunate to see that happening. So I hope this is a tool that they could use. It's not going to solve everything, but at least it's, at least it's something. And again, you could send money. If I answer your other question, you could send money to an address safely like that. If you knew what that address was, you could transact, you know, money electronically to that address. Well, Eric, you know, one of the things I've always loved about you is you just take a very steadfast approach. You do your research. You're an ethical guy. You're morally driven. You want the best for people. You're, you're, not, hook, you're not hook, line, and sinker fixated on one ideology or the other. Um, and I just like your balance perspective. So just thank you so much for coming on this show and giving your your opinion, giving your advice, giving your wisdom to those people that are looking for alternative ways of dealing with these issues. It's, it's really phenomenal. And I consider you not only my friend, I consider you my brother.
And uh, I have your six, you have mine. And uh, man, thank you so much. You, you've, uh, you've, you've, you, brought, you brought forth such great nuggets of information that I think is really gonna resonate with some people. So I just wanna say good night, farewell. If there's anything you'd like to add as a closing statement. No, that's it. Thank you, Tony. I'm happy to help um, where I can. Yeah. All right, brother. We'll talk soon. You take care. Take care, Tony.